listening to the Up and Under podcast, starting in 3, 2, 1. Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome into the Up and Under podcast. I'm here with Hani. Join me, as always, it's Zeeshan. Yo. All right, man. We are now deep into the NBA offseason. Uh, free agency has begun. Uh, I believe the moratorium period is now over. Um, and um, we're not going to be talking about any of that because... Apparently, NBA players like to drop bombshells right before free agency, and here we are. We kind of have to talk about them because this potential move can dramatically change the nature of this offseason. Again, the NBA is kind of turned into like a reality show, yeah. right? And it's funny because like, I mean, again... Older older fans complain about how the NBA is now in terms of like player movement, which I can understand. What's a contract? Yeah, what exactly, right? Like nobody cares about contracts anymore. Like nobody honors their contracts. But at the same time, too, it makes for some very entertaining non-on-the-court product. Yeah, and if you haven't already caught on right now, we're basically talking about Kevin Durant and him asking for a trade from the Brooklyn Nets. Um, this was a bombshell, a Woj bomb that was dropped right before free agency, like literally the Thursday. Um, and since then, it's just been constant speculation on which team, and there's plenty of suitors, which teams are actually going to make a move to acquire Kevin Durant. And just to set the precedence, there hasn't really been a player of Kevin Durant's magnitude available to trade for on the open market. Plus, not to mention, he's locked in for the next four years. Now, depending on how long, you know, when's his next trade demand going to be. Um, but regardless, there hasn't been a player, a superstar, that has asked for a trade with this much term left on his deal and the magnitude of a player that he actually is. So it's incredible to see, you know, just how big of a factor Kevin Durant is going to play in this offseason. Yeah, and this comes off of the heels of, you know, the whole offseason drama of Kyrie Irving. And then him finally re-signing with the Brooklyn Nets for, you know, picking up his player option. Um, and then right afterwards, hey, Kevin Durant asks out. So it's been pretty crazy. And even Kyrie Irving's future is still up in the air too with the Brooklyn Nets. But long story short, it just seemed that Kevin Durant just had enough with everything that was going on in Brooklyn. And he was just like, you know, listen, just get me up out of here. And on one hand, some player, people are going to look at it that, you know, this is Kevin Durant running away from another challenge, which is fair. It's fair criticism. But at the same time, I mean, the guy literally got screwed over by Kyrie Irving. Let's be honest. Yeah, listen, man. Like, I'm not... Again, you know, there's the memes and stuff about him, you know, comparing him to LeBron um, and how LeBron, first of all, finished all of his contracts and every team that he went to, Free. he won a championship. That is right? true. So, KD couldn't do it. But again, like, if I think that's people's mistake for comparing KD to LeBron. KD is not LeBron. KD is a top 20 player of all time. But LeBron is, you know, he's in contention for GOAT talks. Wow, yeah. Right? He's that, top five solidified. There's a difference between the two. And again, KD, you know, for the criticism of him wanting to leave again from another team, when he was on the court, man, he gave it his. He did. He gave it his all, bro. We remember that series last uh, last year against Milwaukee, where he oh, played yeah. every single minute of Game I mean, Seven. It came to his foot on the three point line. Exactly. Man. Like he played his heart out for the Brooklyn Nets when he was on the court, um, and him coming off an Achilles injury 
Achilles tear too. Like what he was able to accomplish was pretty insane. So either way, man, we wanted to, you know, jump on the train for this episode and talk about Kevin Durant, some of the potential trade destinations um, and how it would work out, you know, what his trade destinations would be, you know, what would work, what would be the pros and cons of those trade destinations. Um, so getting right into it, we want to talk about the first team, which is the Miami Heat, which is one of his preferred destinations. Again, now why it would work, it's the Miami Heat, right? Miami culture, Pat Riley winning, not to mention the Miami life, right? A lot of guys want to play in Miami just because of the, you know, the Florida life, uh, sunshine all year round. No state income tax. No state income tax, which is a massive one. Um, so again, like heat culture, you know, you trust Pat Riley to build a contender no matter what the situation is. Um, he'll also be paired with, you know, another star in Jimmy Butler who, despite his regular season struggles, has shown that he is legit in the playoffs and he will step up. And Jimmy's a reliable star. That's the key here. Jimmy Butler is a reliable superstar. You know, there's no question on whether or not Jimmy will play or any, no drama with Jimmy Butler besides maybe 3 a.m. workouts, but that's just Jimmy Butler. Oh, and coffee. And, I mean, the East is wide open, right? The it East is. is still wide open. There's no LeBron James in the Eastern Conference. Um, and, again, Miami just made the Eastern Conference final, so they're a very prepared team. You know, they've been there. They've gone to the finals, you know, a couple of years ago. So they have that culture ingrained already. They're already playing a winning brand of basketball. And adding KD to that would make a lot of sense. Now, on the other hand, why it wouldn't work is because, number one, you would have to trade away Bam Adebayo and probably Tyler Hero in a move for Kevin Durant. Which, again, like you can say, oh, there's still Jimmy Butler. There's still Kyle Lowry, Victor Oladipo. However, trading away Bam and Tyler Hero, which are your two young players, right? That's number one. But also two of your best players, Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, are no doubt, you know, in your top three, top four players. So taking that away and then adding K- KD, especially at this stage of KD's career, how much better are you actually going to be, especially when you're sacrificing that that depth? And, and we know how much depth, uh, you know, is a factor in the NBA playoffs. And you'll notice that this is going to be a common theme with a lot of the teams we're going to talk about is that how much are teams willing to give up for, for Kevin Durant? Because again, you know... It's not like a situation where there's like one year left or anything like that. There's four years left on Kevin Durant's deal. So will teams be more inclined to give up more? Now, you said Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo. Those are big pieces. But when you're the Brooklyn Nets, you have every right to command a price like that because it's Kevin Durant. And again, you know, I talked about Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero, their age. But Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, KD are all 32. What, 32, 33 plus? Kyle's like, what, 35? Katie's like, 34? Jimmy's, I think, like, 33, 32? So, they're all getting up there in age. Like, we don't know how much longer KD is going to be this version of himself. He's already, I would say, he's he's slowed down a step. Um, though, again, he's still, like, a top five player in the league. But he he's not the same KD that he was, even in Golden State. Jimmy Butler has shown he has an injury history. Um, and you don't know if he's going to be able to play game to game. And then Kyle Lowry, obviously, I think had the most drastic, um, you know, drop off last season where I don't think it's necessarily him just not playing as well, but it's clear he's getting up there in age. A health and external factors definitely played in the Kyle Lowry, but we're going to have to see if, if, if that was really the case or if he's truly, truly getting and older. And again, now. that shortens your window with KD yep. being 34 years old. So 
if they trade for KD, they have to win like right now. Right. And so one possible trade we came up with is a three team trade. Now, this is going to be a common theme with the Kevin Durant trade because not many teams can like outright just swap players for KD. It will have to basically be a three team trade wherever well, it is. Kevin Durant makes about $44 million like, exactly. this season. So you have to not only match the salary, you also have to give up the draft compensation and you have to also get to the prerequisites of Brooklyn, which they want. At least an all-star caliber player, a young, a young prospect. Like they, they want, they want a haul, you know. And we'll talk about another big trade that happened in the offseason and kind of why that set the precedent for the Kevin Durant trade. Yeah. So the uh, one example that we have is a three-team trade between the Brooklyn Nets, Miami Heat, and Chicago Bulls. So the Nets obviously uh, shipping off Kevin Durant would get Nikola Vucevic in return, Duncan Robinson, and Tyler Hero plus three first-round picks. The Miami Heat would receive Kevin Durant, uh, Kobe White, and David Duke Jr., and the Bulls will get Bam Adebayo. I think this t- uh, this trade quickly works for all three teams involved. The Brooklyn Nets get their picks. They get the young player that they want, Tyler Hero. They also get an established player, Nikola Vucevic, who at the very least sells some tickets for you. If not, you know you can trade him down the line, get something else back for him. For Miami, obviously, they get KD, um, and they also get, you know, a filler player, role player in Kobe White. And then the Bulls get a center, which they've needed. You know, Nikola Vucevic hasn't exactly panned out. Um, Bam Adebayo is a young center they can build for for the future. But he's also good enough to where you can win right now with him as well. And then you also have DeMar. You also have Zach Levine. Like, it's still going to be a a pretty good team uh, in Chicago with that that Nets situation. But I think the big piece here is Tyler Hero going going to the Brooklyn Nets. Like, that's the type of young piece, building block piece that you can pair with a guy like Ben Simmons and kind of build a build around that. Because the Nets don't also want to completely tank and rebuild. Like, they want to still be competitive, but at the same time, you know, they have to get enough assets back, enough quality players back that they can do that with. But yeah, no, this trade definitely helps everybody out involved. It's just a matter of, again, is that enough of a price to get Kevin Durant to the Miami Heat? And also, the Heat are giving up a lot of depth here. Like, I mean, giving up Bam Adebayo is not, and Tyler Hero is not going to be an easy pill to swallow. So it goes back to your point. Like, are they going to be better than what they were? Only time will tell. But, man, Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, and Kevin Durant sounds like a sick big three. It's a pretty solid team. It does. But moving into the second team who can possibly make a move for Kevin Durant. And for, before anyone calls this a homer pick, they are the second they have the team with the second best odds to land Kevin Durant as of this recording. Um, and they have the pieces to put together a deal without involving a third team. And we're talking about the Toronto Raptors. The Toronto Raptors, uh, for those of you who don't know, notoriously made the, the deal to get Kawhi Leonard in 2018, which obviously led to this. Uh, but again, Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster could potentially make a move to go get Kevin Durant. Now, why would a deal for Kevin Durant work? Well, first off, the Toronto Raptors, they have a great culture. They have a strong strong front office, a strong, great coaching. Um, they also have winning pieces. Like They already have championship caliber players on the roster. Obviously, Pascal, Fred, OG, you know, the list goes on and on. They have some good vets, good role, some, some role players. Um, you know, they have a good foundation to be put into. And similar to the Kawhi Leonard situation, it could be a plug-and-play situation where you can put Kevin Durant with a mix of some good role players and a good system and a good coaching, and it could lead to, a, to another championship. Not to mention Toronto is also 
a great city. It's got great a great fan base. But on top of all of that, it doesn't have the media attention that Kevin Durant honestly doesn't really like. To be perfectly honest with you, and that's something that I think Kawhi Leonard really loved is the fact that not many people care about a team in Canada, especially U.S. media. So the reality is that it's a good place for Kevin Durant to just play ball, which is exactly what he wants to do. Now, the big the big question for the Raptors is going to be how much will they have to give up for Kevin Durant? But when you're talking about the on-court fit, I mean, offensively, Pascal Siakam and Kevin Durant would be a great fit because Pascal, Kevin Durant can space the floor for Pascal. Uh, and then Fred Van Vliet can also just become that sort of Kyle Lowry, the 2019 Kyle, Kyle Lowry role, where he can be that third or fourth option, which is perfect. Defensively, it'd be a great fit, especially if they keep guys like Scotty Barnes and still have some of those 6'9 guys like Precious Achua. So again, it's going to be a great fit. And then not to mention, I, I said it before, they have the, the pieces to make a deal work without involving a third team. They have good salaries to match. They have good young players, and they have all their picks. So it, it's pretty compelling argument once you start breaking it down for Toronto. Now, why wouldn't the deal work? Like, Why wouldn't this move work for the Raptors? Well, first and foremost, the Toronto Raptors aren't on Kevin Durant's wish list of teams that he wants to go to. Not really a shocker, especially for us. Not a lot of free agents want, and big-time players want to come to Toronto. And please don't listen to Chris Broussard. Toronto is a great place. It's a great city. Again, that guy's known for making like, stuff up. I, like... I, that was the most asinine take I've heard in a while. But either way, the reality is Kevin Durant might not want to come here, and that's perfectly fair. He has every right to do that, but you know that would be a big factor in why it wouldn't work. I mean, again, I think the main reason why he wouldn't want to come here is because we're not a... The Toronto Raptors are not a you know bona fide contender as of right now. No. They're a playoff team, for sure, but they're not a solid contender. And it also depends on, again how many assets Toronto would have to give up. If we give up too many players or too many assets that we're not in a position to compete for a championship, then how how much how worth was it the Kevin Durant trade? You know, and that's something that, that's gonna have to be yet to be seen. And then to me, this is probably the biggest factor if you're the Toronto Raptors is Kevin Durant is old. He's getting older. He's coming off big injuries. He could get hurt again. Uh and then not to mention if the Raptors do end up giving up a player like Scotty Barnes in the deal, which I'll get to why why they won't consider doing that. But if they do give him up, well, now you've not only mortgaged your present, you've also sacrificed your future, and you get nothing out of it. It's basically the doomsday scenario, which is what the Brooklyn Nets are currently in right now. But ignoring all that, I think Toronto is a great fit for Kevin Durant. It's just a matter to me about the what would get a deal done between the two teams, and also the fact that does Masai Ujiri believe this is going to be the best move for his team? Because again, Masai is, is building, like they're building up here in Toronto. Like they have a good future with Scotty Barnes. Is that do they want to mortgage that and go all in? Speaking of what would a scenario, a trade scenario look like? Now, there's three possible scenarios that I could think of that the Raptors can make for Kevin Durant. First and foremost, the Raptors would end up trading Gary Trent Jr., OG Ananobi, Malachi Flynn, Kem Birch, and four first-round picks for Kevin Durant. I like this deal because I think it gives Brooklyn what they want. They get two solid young players uh, in OG Ananobi, Gary Trent Jr. They're on good contracts. Um, OG Ananobi can get, is still going to be getting better. Gary Trent Jr., we know what, what he can do. Uh, you also get a prospect in Malachi Flynn who you can still develop with minutes. And again, he could become something. Uh, Ken Birch, salary filler, a solid big man. You can still flip him later on. And again, you get the four first-round picks out of this this deal. I think this would be the most ideal trade for both teams. Well, not for Brooklyn. 
for the Raptors, I think this would be the most ideal trade. You know, yeah. you don't give up a Scotty Barnes. You don't give up a Pascal Siakam. And, you know, so I think you add Kevin Durant to what you already have. I think you're significantly better and you become a championship contender now. Exactly. And it would suck for the Raptors to lose a player like OG Ananobi. But when you think about it, you're swapping him in for Kevin Durant and you're not losing Scotty Barnes. And the reason why the Raptors wouldn't want to give up Scotty Barnes is, again, this guy could have potentially another 15 to 20 year career where he can become a superstar. He could become the next Kevin Durant. You know, in terms of being one of the top players in the league. So why would you want to give that up for the unknown commodity that what Kevin Durant will be? So that was scenario number one. The second scenario will be Gary Trent Jr., Pascal Siakam, Malachi Flynn, and three first-round picks for Kevin Durant and Seth Curry. Now, this would be if the Brooklyn Nets still want to remain competitive right now. You get an all-star caliber player in Pascal Siakam, all-NBA player. You still get Gary Trent Jr., a solid role player. Again, Malachi Flynn is the prospect. Three first, you get less first than what you would for OG and Anobi, but you are getting the better player in the deal. Uh, and this would also mean that Kevin Durant and Seth Curry go to the, go to Toronto. Again, KD will now have not only Scotty Barnes, you have OG and Anobi and Fred Van Vliet and Seth Curry on that roster, plus whatever is already existingly on the Raptors. Again, for the Raptors, I don't know if this trade would make sense for them because of the fact that you know you take away Siakam, you add KD. You're taking away potentially like 23 points that Siakam puts up on a daily, plus his defense, plus his playmaking. But right? OG and Scotty could also get better. Exactly. Too. That's, that's, the, that's what you bank on. That's the flip side, right? So you bank on that, but you know, you have to give up what you already know is established in Pascal Siakam. And in terms of contending for a championship, we know how good of a number two Pascal Siakam is. And if you're Brooklyn, I mean, I, I would be kind of happy with Pascal because then you can still get pieces to surround Pascal with. So. That's another one. And then the final trade, this is a trade that I don't see likely happening, but it could be possibly out on the table. It'll be Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., Malachi Flynn, and four first-round picks for Kevin Durant. Um, again, that's if Brooklyn is interested in Fred Van Vliet. Um, uh, but again, I don't think this would be a, this would be a, a great trade for, for either side, to be honest with you, because I don't think Toronto has a, has a replacement at point guard unless you just move Scotty Barnes or Pascal Siakam to that position. But... Again, it's another option. But again, you see, the Raptors will have more options available to them because they have these salaries and picks to make a, a one-to-one deal with Brooklyn. But it's, it's interesting to see what happens. But Toronto is definitely in the mix with Kevin Durant. I think Toronto has to be you know up there in terms of the odds for oh, yeah. the mix. Um, another team that was on Kevin Durant's wish list was the Phoenix Suns. They're the current odds leader. Now, again, why it would work. First of all, the Phoenix Suns are already a contender. So... It would fulfill Kevin Durant's wish of, you know, going to a contender. Also, him and Devin Booker would be a lethal scoring combo. You know, both guys can drop 40 any night. With CP3, um, passing the ball. Exactly, with CP3 playmaking for them. So, you know, like, again, that is, you're automatically, you're already a championship contender. You add Kevin Durant to that mix with uh, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and the rest of the team with Monty Williams coaching. That's a very, very good team. Um, now on the flip side, why it wouldn't work, DeAndre Ayton is basically gone from the Phoenix Suns. I think we can all assume that. And as I've said before, I think DeAndre Ayton gets overrated at times from what I've seen. However, there's no denying how, how important of a piece to Phoenix's championship 
uh, you know, contention that he is. He's he, a good player, and he I, he can get better. There's no doubt about it. But I don't think he's a max player, and I think that's what the Suns are trying to argue with him right now. But again, he is the glue guy for the Suns. In that terms is true. Of, he's the one that holds everything together. You know, he yep. provides that interior defense. He's quick on his feet. He can play on the perimeter uh, defensively a little bit. Um, and then on the offensive end, he gives you that low post presence. He can hit a mid-range jumper. He can pass a little bit. Um, he can get you a couple of rebounds on both sides of the ball. And so if you don't have DeAndre Ayn on this Phoenix Suns team, you go against a team with a guy like Nikola Jokic or a Joel Embiid potentially in the finals, let's say. You don't have DeAndre Ayn anymore. And so I think you're at a, you're at a severe disadvantage without DeAndre Ayn. So, again, like I said, though DeAndre Ayton, I think, gets overrated for me at times, um, there's no questioning how important of a piece he is to the Phoenix Suns. Trading away, uh, trading for KD would also bring about depth issues because of the fact that you would have to get rid of probably Mikhail Bridges. Um, like I said, Maybe DeAndre Cam Ayton Johnson is too. going to be gone. Yeah, Cam Johnson might be gone. So, as I've said before, when you sacrifice depth, to get a star. And this has kind of been the discussion of super teams versus non-super teams in the past five years or so, is that we've seen that teams with like two stars and then a good of uh, a bunch of good role players tend to perform better, uh, especially in the long run, than super teams who have three stars and then don't have any depth at all. So are you willing to sacrifice that depth to get Kevin Durant is the question. Um, and then finally, I think, the one reason for KD it wouldn't look as good is that he's jumping to another bona fide contender, right? Um, he already has the Golden State mark on his career. You know, a lot of people don't really take his championship seriously because of that. And so him going to a team like Phoenix, which is already established and which had the best record by far in the league last year, you know, it doesn't look good for KD's legacy. Well, think. I mean, the two teams on his wish list were the number one seeds of them last year. So exactly. I don't know what that says. But also the fact that the Brooklyn Nets, they want Devin Booker. They want him. And they have every right to command for him. So, again, will even a conversation start without Devin Booker? That's the big, the other question for the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think Phoenix would obviously give him up. But well, Kevin Durant doesn't want to play of, without Devin Booker. Yeah, this is kind of the impasse of the KD talks, and which is why nothing has really progressed for any team so far. Uh, one potential trade that we came up with for the Phoenix Suns is a another three-team trade, as I said, between the Brooklyn Nets, the Phoenix Suns, and the Atlanta Hawks. So the Brooklyn Nets would receive John Collins, Mikhail Bridges, Onyeka Okongwu, and three first-round picks. That would give them three very good young players. John, very good, yeah. Yeah, John Collins, Mikhail Bridges are already more established than Okongwu, but, you know, three very good young players. They're also on team control, too, which is even better. Exactly. Um, the Phoenix Suns would obviously get Kevin Durant and also Mo Harkless. Uh, as part of this deal, you know, to make salaries work. And then the Atlanta Hawks would get DeAndre Ayton. So it would have to be a sign and trade. Phoenix would have to sign DeAndre Ayton first before he gets any tenders from any other teams because then this trade would not work at all. So it would have to be a sign and trade with DeAndre Ayton. Um, and then as well, Atlanta would get Campaign, Torrey Craig, and Daron Sharp from the Brooklyn Nets. So... Overall, like I said, I think this is the best trade that I could come up with on the spot. 
the problem is with the Hawks, what do you do with the guy like Clint Capella, who you have on your roster? Like, exactly. You get a guy like DeAndre Ayton. So, again, this is where the complications come in when you add a third team because that third team needs to get some benefit out of the trade too. So, Well, again, they've been shopping Clint Capella for a while. They get their young center for the future uh, with DeAndre Ayton. Now you have a trio of young, very good players in your backcourt with uh, Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, and now DeAndre Ayton. And then Clint Capella, obviously, you can still receive some assets for him. He's still good enough to command, you know, some sort of return. But again, that would be a question, yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the Phoenix Suns definitely would be up there. It would be Kevin Durant's personal preference. Finally, the last team who has probably... Man, it sucks that they can actually pull this off. I don't think it'll happen. It won't happen, but they have the assets to pull it off, and it's the Golden State Warriors. Um, the Golden State Warriors are in this unique position where, you know, they have the assets to make a good package for Kevin Durant. They're also a team like Toronto that can just make a direct deal with Brooklyn. They don't need a third team. They have the salaries. They have the players. They have the picks. Like, everything Brooklyn would want, Golden State has. Also, the fact that why would this work? Well, I mean, we've seen it work before. We've seen Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and Draymond Green. We've seen them on the court with Steve Kerr. We, it works. It works. It rigs the league. We all know this. It's a bona fide super team. I mean, not to mention, it's Golden State, right? Whoever you plug into Golden State's system, they do well. That's kind of what Golden State is. So you plug in Kevin Durant. It's bound to work. Exactly. Like, that's, there's no question of why would it work. And I think um, the big question is why wouldn't it work? And like you, the reason why you're saying why you don't see it happening. And I think the first thing is Kevin Durant doesn't want to face the media backlash of going back to the Warriors. Like, not think about it this way. Like, Draymond Green has been going on a media frenzy, just talking his, talking his talk. And again... You can like it or you hate it. I mean, I, some takes I just think I'm like seriously, dude. Like, what what are you what are you smoking? But like, at the same time, he has every right to say that because they won. KD left them because of the beef with Draymond, and he wanted it to be his team. But they won without him. They won before him. They won after. Exactly. Him. So he has all the reason to talk, and KD has nothing to say for it. And imagine him just crawling back saying that you know to them, it's it's a it's gonna be a very weak look for Kevin Durant. And also the fact that, will the players even want him back? Now, uh, people say, oh, you know, Steph Curry and would welcome him back. Um, we're not talking about Steph Curry. We're talking about Draymond Green, you know, and the Warrior fan base. Like, why the hell? This guy left you. This guy just said, you know what? I'm going to go do my own thing with Kyrie. So why would you want him back? So that's the other thing. And then finally, I guess they, they're going to lose depth. Like, from this championship roster that had a lot of depth, had a lot of great things about it, you're going to lose a bunch of it when it comes to Trading for Kevin Durant because he, this time you got to give up assets. It's not like you signed him in the offseason like you did in 2016. So that's the, those are the reasons why it wouldn't work. And the best trade I think I was able to come up with for the Golden State Warriors, um, the, they would trade away Andrew Wiggins, James Wiseman, Jonathan Kaminga, three first-round picks for Kevin Durant. Well, again, here's the thing too, right? I, I don't think it would be a question of them taking him back. The only reason why I wouldn't see this happening is Obviously, number one, KD wouldn't, I don't think he would want this because, you know, as you said, the media. But then also, like, why would why would Golden State necessarily want to do this, right? Yeah, exactly. As you said, they're giving up death. They're already going into next season as the favorites. Well, they're the defending champs, yeah. Exactly. They, they won the championship this season. They're going into next season as the favorites. 
do they really need to sacrifice depth and again young depth in and Jonathan Kumenga, uh, Andrew Wiggins, and James Wiseman for an aging Kevin Durant when you could already very well win a championship next season without having to add KD? Yeah. So especially because the West is also weaker, like it's relatively weaker than it was than than it is in the Eastern Conference. So realistically, the Warriors are still up in the mix despite teams like the Clippers uh, resurging and all the and all the other teams, you know, retooling, but. Again, it's still a good package in the sense of the Brooklyn Nets because, again, you're getting Andrew Wiggins. We saw what he was able to do. You're getting a young center in James Wiseman. You're going to get a great young player in Jonathan Kaminga and and picks out of that. So, I mean, it's it wouldn't be the worst move in the world for the Brooklyn Nets to make. But at the same time, um, the media backlash, and I, I, I would hate to see it. As an NBA fan, I would just be like, yo, no, what is, what is Adam think, Silver doing? I don't think anybody wants it. And I think, like I said, like we both said, including Kevin Durant, I don't think he wants it either. Yeah. Uh, it would just be bad optics for everyone. So, yeah, I don't... Again, the, like, we threw this in there just because Golden State is one of the teams that could pull it off realistically, but I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. So, those were the four the four teams or the four possible scenarios that we can come up with for Kevin Durant. Um, personally speaking, I think it's between Phoenix or Toronto, I think. Um, now, depending on if a third team gets involved, now obviously talks have kind of stalled. But according to to Woj and all the insiders, once the GMs kind of get together for summer league, there might be more discussions and more teams getting you know involved, you know here and there. So we're gonna keep monitoring the Kevin Durant situation, but that's gonna really dictate how this offseason is gonna go. Pretty like it's it's basically that. Like that's the whole reason why we didn't do an offseason episode because we're like, well, we don't really know what the hell's happening because it's all about KD and everything will follow after that. I think it'll take some time for this to happen, though. Oh, yeah. And uh, Kevin Durant is he's locked in for four years. So you have to also remember that he's locked under contract. So the Brooklyn Nets don't even have to trade him until, I don't know, trade deadline next season. Like, they can literally do whatever he I think they, they would sit him, but I don't think necessarily KD would want to sit out either. Because no. KD likes playing, right? He, he really likes playing ball, unlike Ben Simmons. Um, and... Yeah, I don't know. Brooklyn might just sit him because of trade value, obviously, but... You know Ben Simmons deactivated his IG? Oh, really? <laughs> Yo, he dropped that post of him, you know, <laughs> of him. It's never of him playing ball. Like, that's just been real. It's never of him playing ball. But yeah, I think he got... That was right before Kevin Durant announced yeah. it, and he deactivated his IG. I was like... What the? Oh, man. Uh, Simmons, uh, man. Ben Simmons, man. The never-ending saga. But yeah, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's decision is definitely going to be the most important of this offseason, for sure. Uh, bringing us into the up and under segment for this week. Now, of course, we wanted to still touch on a few offseason uh, moves that have happened. And these are some big trades that have happened. Um, because, again, there's now been a couple of blockbuster deals that have happened in this offseason. First and foremost, are you up or under on the Rudy Gobert trade? Yes, the $200 million deal has been traded. By the way, there has been a lot of $200 million signings. Like, literally, these NBA players are making a ton of money. Like I said... Once these uh, TV contracts are over, prepare for a drop in that salary cap. Yeah, but Rudy Gobert, uh, there was reported like there was tension in Utah. There was, you know, there was rumors that they were gonna look to shop him around. Honestly, I'm surprised that he was moved, and at the same time, to the destination. So the Rudy Gobert was traded to the Minnesota Timberwolves in exchange for Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly. Uh, remember Patrick Beverly was, uh, you know, very high. The hyped. thing is, I feel, I low-key kind of feel bad for him because he was, <laughs> yo, he was hyping up the Timberwolves off-season signings, like he was involved, like he was on it, man, he was on Twitter, and then they just traded him, so. 
Um, it's a business, man. Hey, listen, man. He left his legacy as a play-in championship. <laughs> I guess so. But they traded Patrick Beverly, Walker Kessler, Jared Vanderbilt, uh, and four first-round picks for Rudy Gobert. Are you up or under on this move? Overall, I would say I'm up on it. Now, again, it is a very steep price, and I think this trade has also screwed over the KD trade. It has. Because when you trade four first-round picks for Rudy Gobert, what does KD demand at that point then, right? So, I will it say, is a steep price. I will say this. The caliber of players in this deal warrants four first-round picks. Now, if you were to give up better players, and this is something that I was looking to do with the Raptors, if you were to give up like a Pascal Siakam, that's shaved away some picks out of that. So... That's also the way to look at it, too. But you're right. It is very a very steep price. It's a steep price. But at the same time, we know the story of draft picks, right? Sometimes they get overrated a lot of times because draft picks sometimes don't pan out, right? And for Utah, they're clearly hitting the reset button. They're really trying to refresh and really trying to build around Donovan Mitchell. And good on them, to be honest with you. I like the fact that they're taking a risk and saying that, listen, what we've been doing hasn't worked. Um, and we're, we're going to try something different. Shout out to Windhorse for calling it, by the way. Oh, this, guy's, this guy's been very accurate like this past season. He's been very accurate. But for the Minnesota Timberwolves, I love this move. Again, I don't know how it'll work practically, but I'm hoping for the best. Twin towers in the Twin this Cities. This seems like a very fun team. They obviously needed interior defense. That is literally what they were lacking with Carl Anthony Towns. And Cat moves to the four. Cat moves to the four where he can bully opposing fours. He can spread the floor. And he's very quick on his feet, meaning he's not as bad of a perimeter defender as people think. In fact, well, according to Minnesota fans, they're very excited for him to move to the perimeter on defense because he's apparently like pretty solid on well, that. Well, I mean, he can also like drop some weight too if he's playing the four and... Exactly. Be quicker, be faster, be more, more mobile. That also gives you a lob threat. Cat can space the floor. Cat can do more of his... He can shoot more threes, which is... And he's, he's already a great three-point shooter. You still have D'Angelo Russell, who can be a solid, a decent playmaker. Uh, Anthony, you, And you kept Anthony Edwards. like. And then you move up guys like, for example, Jaden McDaniels, who now moves up to the starting lineup. Who was one of their better defenders in the in, last season. Listen, man, they're a very good team. I think they can... Well, ideally, I would say, hopefully, they can make some real noise. Yeah, I mean, it really just comes down to how big of a, how much of a fit will be. Because remember, now you have two big men making two hundred plus million dollars with Cat and now Gobert. So, how will that work? Uh, I don't know, but it's definitely it's a good move for the Minnesota Timberwolves in the sense that it's a winning move, and which is something that they haven't made since I think the Jimmy Butler trade. Yeah, exactly. Like they're going all in, which right? Good for so, them. I like it, man. I like it. Uh, you know, I'm excited for Minnesota's future. Um, the other trade that we want to talk about was the DeJounte Murray trade. He was traded to the Atlanta Hawks in exchange for Danilo Gallinari, who's... I think he's on the Celtics now. I don't know if it's confirmed I think he's, or not. I think he has to be bought out. Yeah, yeah, so he has to be bought out or whatever it is. And then three first-round picks and a pick swap. Um, so are you up or under on that move? At first, I was under. And... At first, because I didn't, I was looking at the deal and I'm like, okay, well now for the Spurs, I was like, well, what are you doing? Why would you ever give up a player like DeJounte Murray? But then I realized what they were actually doing with this offseason, which was they're going to tank to get that, to get that number one pick to get that guy, Wimbayanum, I think is that guy's name. Uh, They're trying to tank to get that guy who apparently will be really good. I mean, he looks, I've seen like some videos of him. He looks really good. So again... The Spurs are tanking, so they're like, okay, we're going to move DeJounte to a better situation. 
so for the Hawks, I was like, well, okay, you move DeJounte to Atlanta, but that takes the ball out of Trey Young's hands. So how effective is that going to be? But Trey Young can spread the floor. DeJounte does cover up Trey's defensive deficiencies to a certain degree. So overall, I'm still kind of in the middle of it. I think on paper, I think it could work. Uh, if you start them, Trey would have to move into a shooting guard kind of role. I think play more off ball. But I think in terms of the fit, I think it fits pretty decently on paper. Listen, yeah, on paper, like, I think it works. But I, I have some questions about it. Namely, you know, the overlapping of duties, I would say. Yep. DeJounte Murray and Trey Young are both triple. Well, Trey Young more of a double-double guy. DeJounte more of a triple-double guy. They but both like the ball in their they hands. They both want the ball in their hands. And they're both most effective with the ball in their hands. Now, Trey Young will have to play more of that Steph Curry role. Whereas, I was, gonna get to that, yeah. I was saying... Like, I've always compared him more to Steve Nash. He's more of a Steve Nash in terms of his play style than a Steph Curry. But now we will have to see him more in that Steph Curry role because DeJounte Murray is not really a shooter. So he's going to have the ball in his hands a bit more. Um, and he's going to have... He, he's going to be a downhill kind of guy, whereas Trey Young will have to spread the floor a little bit more and be off ball. Is Nate McMillan um, still coaching the coaching? Yeah, the he is. Okay, well, Nate McMillan... Oh, God. He's not exactly the most uh, I was gonna say, I'm creative like, yeah, guy. The coach has so to be it'll be creative. interesting. But, I mean, it's definitely better than what Atlanta was doing last year, right? So, I think at least this way, moving the, forward, you have a clear path. Their defense got better. I will say that because now, again, now you have... You don't just have to one guy playing defense and DeAndre Hunter. You now have a, few, a couple of guys. Exactly. You know, and so, especially, like, the most important thing is that you have a guy to back up Trey Young on defense. Yeah, exactly. And, again, I really like DeJounte Murray. And uh, I'm interested to see where, where, this, where this goes. But, uh, you know, it's one of those... Like, this offseason has definitely been kind of interesting in the sense that... And we're, we're going to do an, an episode kind of recapping the offseason uh, a little later. Hopefully, we get some Kevin Durant news so we can get more clarity. But... Overall, man, the offseason has been pretty interesting. You know, this Kevin Durant drama has really made it interesting. But, uh, I mean, most of the signings have kind of been mid. But the trades have been very interesting. For what was supposed to be a quiet offseason, it's been a lot more exciting than we thought, I think. Yeah. So we'll keep you guys uh, posted. But with that, that concludes this week's episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Definitely subscribe to the show on all the various platforms. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and, of course, on YouTube. Definitely subscribe to the show so you don't miss a, another great episode from us. Obviously, more off-season content will be on the way. Follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at upletter and under podcast, facebook.com slash up and under podcast for all the latest updates when we post a new episode or reaction to news as they occur. Definitely check that out if you haven't done so. Also, check out our website, upandunderpodcast.com. It's our central hub for the show. It's a place where we write blog posts with every single episode. So if you don't have time to listen or watch the full episode, you can read about it on our website. Every episode post is has the video, audio, and the, and the written version all in one place for you. So definitely check that out if you haven't done so. And yeah, man, more off-season content is going to be on the way, man. And hopefully, you know, if a Kevin Durant bombshell drops when, when we stop recording, well, such is our luck. <laughs> With that, that concludes this episode. We'll see you guys on the next one. Take it easy. Easy.